special guest, Mo Evans. Mo, welcome. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, JPAR Nation. Looking forward to seeing you all next week. Thank you yeah. for having me on the show. Yeah, we're really excited, and I know we're going to talk a lot about uh, what you're going to be presenting to us next week. But you know, for those that don't know you, uh, Mo, uh, in, you know, elite athlete at the highest level, NBA. Uh, uh, then you went on to be executive uh, at the Players Association, and now an entrepreneur running a sports uh, agency connecting uh, athletes with uh, endorsement opportunities. Um, where, where did your love of basketball begin? My love of basketball began early in life, around four years old. Uh, for some reason, I gravitated to the sport. I've I come from a family of, of sports men. My cousin was super, um, you know, uh, athletic, and I was always just to kind of um, the the tag in the throw in. He was the number one ranked um, football player in the country. He's a state champion in football, basketball, and track. So you know, when I won the state championship in in high school and basketball, it was just like, oh you finally got a championship, huh? You know, and it's just always, uh, you know, in his shadow, but I ended up breaking out of that shadow in college and, and was able to then have some great success beyond that point. Yeah, that's awesome. And I know I spent a lot of summers in Wichita because that's where my grandmother lived and my dad was born. And we have a brand new JPAR franchise that just started in Wichita and that, that's the home, hometown, right? Yeah, that's the hometown. And, you know, again, uh, Wichita is a great city. A lot of um, good-hearted Midwestern people, and I'm sure that JPAR will have great success there. It's a, a really thriving market, and and you know I, I love uh, to help. I love to help in any way I can in in, in any of these areas. Yeah, no, that's great. Now, now I think you were kind of known for you know your strong athleticism, but also defensive play. Is is it important to have a specialty to kind of be a expert in something versus being a generalist? For sure. I mean, anything we do in life, and I'm sure that JPAR Nation can relate to this, you have to have a competitive advantage. And for me, it's interesting that you say that I was known for defense because actually, again, I'm on all time, I'm the all time scoring leader at my high school. Um, in my first two years at Wichita State, I was, um, there's only two other people who scored um, as many points as I did in my first two years. So I was always a scorer. And then even at Texas was a leading scorer there. Uh, I, I was always just a, a elite score only to come to the NBA and then be made to play a role that, um, you know, I remember Phil Jackson, the, the famed hall of fame uh, coach of Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant and others. I remember him telling me, we love how you score. However, how do you, do you think we need your 20, 25 points? Or do you think we need Kobe's potentially 70, 80 points? And it kind of made sense when he put it into perspective that, I needed to be able to play a role, but that's what also helped me to be so versatile is that I could stand in the corner and be as effective as more effective than other people who were not in the play because I knew how to make a play out of nothing. So that's great for JPAR Nation just to understand that we have to use our competitive advantages. So that's interesting. As a coach, he helped you see, you know, that you had strengths, but also how your strengths could fit in to help the bigger picture of the team. Most certainly, he, he, he helped me to understand, for one, and put it lightly, if I didn't want to play a different role and be effective there, then I wouldn't be able to play very much. So I know that I wanted to, uh, to, to get minutes in place. So I had to realize that there's other ways to contribute 
to the greater good of the team than just my scoring. So there was times when I still went out and got, you know, 20 plus points and was able to take a good amount of shots. But I also went to, to rebound. I also was a, a really great defender there. I remember the late, great Kobe Bryant. I remember he used to tell me, uh, <clears throat> hey, why don't you take Paul Pierce for these three quarters and tire him out? And, and, and then he would take them in the fourth quarter and we kind of worked together to, to kind of, um, you know, for the betterment of the team. And I had those, I used the fact that I could score really well to understand the tendencies of great scores. So now I knew what I would, how I would score in those situations. So I would use that to my advantage to then offset and take away some of their uh, strengths. Yeah. So, so Mo, what was it like going all the way back when you first knew that you were going to step onto a NBA court that you, the Timberwolves, you know, Timberwolves stick took, you know, took you on. How, how did that feel? What was that like for you? That's a great question. You know, for me, I remember it. I'll never forget that, that moment. I, I left the university of Texas as a junior in college. And a lot of people never knew the true story behind it. I still had one year of eligibility. However, because I had transferred from Wichita state um, and I was recommended to go to Texas by a really, really uh, great family friend at the time, which was R.C. Buford, who was the then and has the long tenured general manager of the San Antonio Spurs. I'm like, hey, man, I'm, I'm going to go pro. I'm, I'm, I'm ready. You know, I was referred by R.C. I helped lead. I led the team in scoring. We had the most wins in school history at that time. So, of course, I entered my name into the draft only to and, and I was projected top 15 um, and only to go undrafted. So you can imagine how my world was shaken early in my career, turned upside down. And, and now it's not like today. Now kids can go test the waters. If they if they don't get drafted, they can put their name in the hat, see how they project, go to the combine, do all those different things and go back to school if it doesn't work out. However, it wasn't like that for me back then. I went out, I jumped in, and unfortunately I didn't get it drafted. So now I can't go back to UT. I'm, a, I'm an undrafted free agent, but you know, as God would have it, you know, two weeks later, I ended up signing with the Minnesota Timberwolves just two games into my into my my summer league performance. So when I finally got in, I remember, you know, getting fouled and and, and going to the free throw line. And I'm like, man, this is my first NBA points. And I'm a thinker. I'm I, you know, I'm outside of my body now. And I'm saying, like, man, this is Kevin Garnett. This is Vince Card over here. And I just remember thinking, like, dude, you gotta snap out of it. You gotta be a pro. But I'm still that, I was still that young boy, that young man who was always grew up aspiring to be an NBA player. And I, I remember making the free throws, but I just remember saying, I got, this is the coolest thing ever. Wow. We had a few Longhorns that are cheering you right now. I know <laughs> we, may, we, we may have a few other uh, rivalries come in. Uh, Shannon and Howard, uh, sick and bears maybe. <laughs> um, well, so then let's fast forward. You know, what was it like you know, the first championship working with people, you know, like Kevin Garnett and uh, the, the great, uh, I got to tell you a story about Kobe, but uh, what was it like? What was that like? I definitely, um, you know, love to share. I wanted to acknowledge the chat where Sikkim Bears, I do definitely want to give a shout out to, uh, to Baylor for winning that national championship. That was awesome. And, you know, UT fell short and a few others in the big 12 and, them to carry the mantle you know at this point we all got to root for each other but you know again Kevin Garnett I'm, I'm, I'm forever grateful uh, for him and indebted to him because even at an early age I remember coming in at 21 years old into the NBA and then I used to think that he was so much older and it's crazy to think that he was only 24 
But at that time, he was just signing his first $100 million deal coming off of a $70 million deal that he signed when he was 17 or so coming into the NBA. And I remember him having a 14,000 square foot home. I remember him having tons of material assets, but I also remember him being a great ambassador of the game, representing the sport, representing his family, signing autographs, tutoring people, mentoring people. And I was one of those people. In my second year, just in the summer after my first season, I had an apartment there in Minnesota, but he was insistent that I come and live with him so that I could train and get better. And we went to the gym every day. We went and ate great meals. We went and had a great conversation. And that's iron sharpening iron that him taking me under his wing at such an early age to try to teach me how to be a better professional and understand what it meant to be a pro. Yeah, you know, and I'm so proud, you know, a lot of that flows through the JPAR Nation. I just heard a story of a up and coming team leader who reached out to a very experienced team leader. They were three hours apart. They decided to split the difference and they each drove an hour and a half. Uh, that experienced team leader who didn't have to spend any time with this person at all, was very busy, but took the time, uh, went and spent uh, two or three hours with this uh, up and coming team leader and poured into her. Uh, and and isn't, isn't that what kind of makes it all work? It does. I mean, it's done. each one teach one is what we say in the industry. And, and for those who, you know, who are successful at anything in life, one of the number one things, and again, we talk about overcoming deficits and things like that, but one of the number one qualities of overcoming deficits is that you have to understand that a big part of success is how you steward success. So meaning that you, no one ever succeeds just for themselves alone. We all have a sphere of influence. And it's all our personal responsibility to leave this world better than we found it. Yeah. Now, as an elite athlete at, at the highest level, uh, and we have cor corollaries here with real estate professionals at the highest level, you always had a coach. And what's the role of a coach when you're already at the highest level of performance and you're, you're maximizing, but, but you still have a coach? How does that work? One thing that's common with all great athletes and in sports is is that and that's one common, you know, commonality with business leaders is that those who have been most successful from my experience are those who are always willing to continue to learn. They don't they're not people who always have all the answers, they're not people who surround themselves with people who are are yes men or yes women. There's people who surround themselves with with people who actually add value and add, uh, you know, experience and, 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 you know, in areas that they themselves don't have. And so that's what a coach is to us in, in the sports realm. Even though we are really uh, great players and high achievers and we've all, you know, won our state championships or our championships, wherever we had or had our individual success, a coach comes along and cultivates all of those different experiences so that it can then mesh with the, with the greater good of the team. I remember when I played in college, um, uh, you know, a, a coach drew, um, you know, uh, um, on a paper for my for my parents, and he drew all these circles, and then he drew a square, and then he drew more circles, and so you can imagine circle, 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 square, circle, 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 and my dad says, "What's this?" And he said, "This is how you see our team. Your son is a square, and I have to see it as everyone's circles, and I have to cultivate this whole team. But you all look at it from a perspective of only." you know, obviously what's in it for you, which is your son. And so I never forgot that because it's all about how you lead a team and whether that team for J-Part Nation is your clients or 
you know, your, your, your customer base and the community that you all have as franchise owners, how you um, support one another, it is, is vital to the, the continued success of everyone. Yeah. Now you went on after your career to, to, to be an executive of the NBA Players Association. And, and that kind of reminds me of what, what I do and our, our, our amazing uh, uh, broker owners all across the country do. Uh, le leading strong performers as a strong performer, right? Um, does that require a different kind of leadership? Well, for me, so the vice president, I served as from 2009 to 2013 as the vice president of the NBA Players Association. And why that role was very significant is because it was in 2011 that we actually renegotiated a new collective bargaining agreement, which right. governs how players are paid. And so these huge salaries came in as a result of that deal. And at that time, I was the only player who was involved in every aspect of those labor negotiations because of Billy Hunter, who was the then long-tenured executive director. He saw something in me, wanted to cultivate that. And again, it comes back to the mentorship and coaching and things of that nature. So that was invaluable experience for me, not only as, a, as an athlete, but also as a businessman. Now, I currently not only do I own my own company and I'm invested in many others, but I'm also serve, currently serving as the president of the NBA Retired Players Association. So mm -hmm. the Houston chapter is the largest. We have a lot of great names that you probably can, you know, think mm -hmm. of the Hakeem Olajuwon's, Clyde Drexler's, Robert Ory's, all these great uh, players. But we also have a lot of other um, professional athletes who have who reside here in Houston, who are entrepreneurial, who are brand ambassadors in the community, and just who also need that extra support and guidance as they transition out of the sport and into life. Yeah. Well, before we give a sneak peek about what we're going to talk about next week as you kick off our mid-year fuel rally, Erica has a question for you. What internal resources did you use when you had a disappointment, when you, when you didn't uh, get drafted the first time, maybe when you lost a game or, or a major uh, playoff game? How did you uh, turn that around with not only you, but, but your teammates? Sure, that's a great question. Excellent question. Uh, the first internal resource that I always use anytime I face a deficit or face a challenge and disappointment in life and the adversity is uh, the word of God. And so for me, I always rely upon the truth. I know that the enemy can never, um, he's a great deceiver and the truth will always offset any disappointment as those are temporary and we choose how we, what, what a, uh, a, a disappointment is in our lives. Meaning that I always say again, and we'll talk more about this on July 22nd, but Either, you know, sometimes you win and other people say you lose. I say sometimes you win, sometimes you learn. So you choose whether it's going to be a loss in your life or whether it's going to be a lesson that you can apply to going to a higher level of your destiny. And so for me, the other thing that I was able to do when I faced, and again, I faced many adversities, just like uh, many of us here on, on the call and, and many people in life. But the other thing that I was really blessed to have very, very supportive parents. I remember growing up in high school my father every Saturday morning would get the newspaper, the Wichita Eagles, where, where, which is with our local paper. But he would always during basketball season, he would point out the point, the amount of points that I that I had scored in the game. And again, I was blessed to have won a state championship, but it wasn't always me just winning. There was games when I had two points. There were some games when I had forty points. And I remember my dad would be so excited, and he would always have me look at that paper and we read it together. And he'd say, "Look at that, son." You see those 40 points that you got, you see that win, you see this great 
He said, man, they can never take that away from me. It's always going to be in the record book. It's, and you draw from that confidence. And that's what he taught me to do, was draw from my past confidence and past successes. So when I face adversity, I'm not defined by that moment. That's only a snapshot. I go back to all the other things that I was able to accomplish to say that, hey, I'm prepared for this moment. I've been here. God's brought me through. I know I'm going to be successful. So a lot of the negative self-talk is offset by the realities of who we are. So I know that you have great successes in your life, and I would apply those as resources in your journey. Yeah, amen. Uh, well, let's give them just a little bit. So, so next week, you're going to do our, our keynote. You're going to kick off our <clears throat> mid-year event with kind of overcoming the deficit. Uh, why should they come listen? I'm really excited to be a part of JPART Nation. I'm really excited to be a part of the Refuel Rally. They should come so that they can, A, learn uh, valuable tips and, and characteristics of how to find your win from any angle, how to overcome deficits, and how to be uh, your best self. It'll be a great event. You and I will have a lot of great, um, you know, just um, conversation. And, and I think that a lot of people will be blessed as a result. Yeah, I, I agree. So if you haven't registered for, for next uh, Thursday, uh, Refuel Rally, we're going to have small groups all across the JPAR Nation um, uh, meeting in uh, small groups, meeting in our physical locations, doing watch parties all over the country, including Wichita. Um, and so uh, if you haven't registered, get registered. If you haven't started a small group to do a watch party, do one. Uh, you can do it in our office, do it at your team office, do it at a business partner's office. Just don't do it alone. Just don't do it alone. Iron sharpens iron and you want to be with someone uh, next week as we go through the sales rally. Well, with that, Mo, any last words of wisdom for anybody? I just hope everybody has a great day, great weekend. May your choices reflect your hopes and not your fears. Take care.